Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe mini-sode. I'm your host Joe Cunningham and joining me to bridge the gap between our Hellboy 2 and Black Panther episodes are... Sir Patrick. And James Hunt. And there's no need to beat around the bush. Let's get straight into the comic book movie and TV news that's broken over the past week. Um, Should we start with a big one, you guys? We've got a new trailer for a superhero movie. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Evangeline Lilly, finally. So when you say big uh, yeah. one, you mean the tiny one. <laughs> yeah. And they've done that thing again with the poster where it's just, they're really tiny on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely leaning into some of the same like marketing points that they hit big with last time. It's like, last time, Thomas the Tank Engine. This time, Hello Kitty Pez. Yeah. <laughs> what did we think of the trailer uh, Like on a whole? I mean, it was, it was fine, wasn't it? It, it was basically like, here's another Ant Man film. Yeah, it was just, it didn't. I, I, I went back because we, my initial thought was like, where are all the jokes? And and I and I had a memory of the original Ant Man trailer being, you know, really funny and and lively and and getting us really interested in it. And then I I, I kind of re- remembered and was reminded that we did actually have issues with the initial Ant Man trailer. And yeah, because the there was only a lot of one joke in it with those kind of poking fun at the concept mm-hmm. stuff um, and i think what was what was coloring my memory was the fact that that first trailer had the thomas the tank engine bit at the end that was fantastic this doesn't have jokes that poke fun at the concept uh it just has a couple of mediocre jokes that don't really land and i'm not even sure if they are jokes and then it has a bit at the end that apes the Thomas Tank Engine bit. It does have the suitcase bit earlier on which i think was I was going to say great. that I mean, bit is great it's just, also, but then even that is just an evolution of stuff like the tank from the first film. But that's it, it, that's you know. kind of what I liked about the the things from this trailer that I thought stood out were stuff like the suitcase and um, the bit where they kind of shrink the car, go under the other car, make it bigger. And I just thought, oh, that's fun. That's probably Peyton Reed actually getting to plan his movie this time and do his own <laughs> movie and come up and come up with his own bits it, that he's actually thought of himself. It just made me feel though a little bit like. Is it just now that these films are about making big things small and making small things big? Like, is is that is that you know is that, is that what Ant Man and the Wasp is about? They're, they're using their shrinking technology on things. No, but because, this you is know, your first trailer that with it tells you film, nothing but... about. Like, the first trailer is just there to remind you that the movie exists and it's coming out. Yeah. It's not. There's no plot. We we don't. Other than Lawrence Fishburne looking slightly worried about something, we don't like see any real hint of villain. There is the like the finish. We did get a shot of the ghost. You do see the ghost. Yeah, but like, do we even know that she's the main villain? 
because well, I, no. <laughs> well, I think I think it's been it's been said around the film. I mean, I, I said on Twitter that the you know a big issue I had with the trailer was when somebody pointed out that that Hannah John Kamen is playing the ghost, and I was like, oh, the ghost is a really cool character in the comics, and you're doing a gender swapped version of an an, an anarchist anti capitalist hacker type. Um, and you haven't put that front and center because that's really cool, and you know but, that that would immediately make I mean, me interested in that's the film. Probably because they're keeping it light on plot for this trailer. Yeah, no, like, no one gives more a shit about time. the ghost in the first trailer, do they? <laughs> no, but it's just it, but it's an angle, and I think I think my I think no, my the biggest angle, issue with this the trailer angle in this is, first trailer has to be that this time it's Ant Man and the and Wasp. Wasp. <laughs> that's that's the entire angle but it, you've got yeah, to sell. It doesn't do anything to say to us that it's any different. All it really says is that, hey, all, you know all that stuff you liked Ant-Man doing in the first film? Well, now Ant-Man and the Wasp are going to be doing it in the second film. <laughs> yeah. That's and, enough for me. Yeah. That's <laughs> but I just think in a in a post-Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther trailer world, a trailer feels disappointing if it doesn't have that X factor about it. And this doesn't, it, it, it's fine. It does what it needs to do. It tells you that there is a new Ant-Man movie, uh, with the Wasp as a co-lead in it. It shows you Evangeline Lilly in the costume. It shows you that she's going to get to be the Wasp, that she's got wings, that she flies around. Great. But it doesn't go to people. Oh my God. Wow. There's this amazing Marvel movie coming up that's unlike anything you've seen before. I now maybe it's unfair to expect think. them all to do that, but. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and I, I do I sort fully... of think you're approaching it from the perspective of someone who already knows everything that was going to happen. Well, yeah. yeah, James, have you listened to this podcast? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, like, <laughs> I think as as a kind of outreach to people who aren't going to have been on top of this for two years. Yeah, I mean, like, no, this no, is the you... kind of trailer you want. If you, if you look, there, there are two questions here. If you're asking me, will this trailer do a quite good job of telling the general public who don't know that this film is coming that it exists and maybe get them interested? Yeah, probably does. But if you're asking me, which is what we did at the start of the podcast, <laughs> what did you think of this trailer? I was a bit, oh, okay. And as I someone who really liked having Ant-Man, a similar conversation about the first Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two trailer, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I think just, I think you're right. Yeah. It's just the same stuff and. And that yeah, turned out fine. pretty well, unless you're James or you. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I was me and James were having this conversation uh, off air last week. I still don't know what I think of Guardians of the Galaxy two because <laughs> I just like I liked it when I saw it, and then kind of like it diminished in my mind. And I'm like, I'll see it again at some point and really make my mind up. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's difficult when that happens. Um, but yeah, I think this this trailer did a good job of reminding me that Ant-Man and the Wasp is happening because with all of the other Marvel stuff that's going mm. on and all of the, like, every other Marvel film is getting more <coughs> attention than Ant-Man and the Wasp. Every other Marvel film that's in development is getting more attention. Well, especially seeing as this is coming out after Infinity War. But, yeah. I mean, I think we've we've had this question mark before over whether or not any of the films would end up actually being set earlier, and they never do. But I think it's hard to... Well, judge where where this is going to sit because we don't know what the state of play is going to be after infinity war and could this actually be set before infinity war i mean war, you it? would think though with the two month gap between this and infinity war if they wanted to put this out before they could yeah so maybe it is set after but it's but as i say it's, and maybe that's part of the reason why the trailer can't show very much if we don't know what's going on in the wider 
context. Yeah, yeah and and you know th- we know this is holding stuff back. There's no um, there's no original recipe wasp here for for a starter. And like I said, the the like the glimpses at the villain are so brief and tell you nothing about that character that it's really just there to be like, oh hey yeah, that thing exists. Um, <laughs> I, d- I did see someone say that the trailer would have been better if it was Michael Pena describing the events of it. Yeah. Having happened to him. That would have been a fun way to do the trailer for that. <laughs> maybe he even maybe the that's trailer? the second trailer. Yeah, yeah, he's in it. There's a yeah, scene where he's him. walking he's walking away from that Hot Wheels looking car, which I'm convinced <laughs> is a Hot Wheels car that has been made. <laughs> and it's all the way through the trailer, so that will be cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, See, well, I, I, I wouldn't be averse to like an entire Ant Man film that was basically just like the game micro machines. Uh <laughs> where like you know, he was stuck shrunk for the entire film. And was just around toys. Um, that that would that would be fun. No, just yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. True, but I also, love Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, so that's why I would like that. I realise we also we haven't we haven't like even mentioned the main hook of this trailer. They're on the run, right? <laughs> they're on the run. That's the thing. Like, I mean, Scott's done something. Now they're all on the run. Well, Scott's, so Scott's been an Avenger with Captain America and broken out of prison. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, first movie was a heist movie. Seems like we're carrying on the kind of like crime caper vibe. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I am looking forward to this film. There's no question. It's just that this trailer didn't do anything to make me look forward to it more than I already was. It did for me because it reminded me it was happening. So yeah, it did for uh, me but, because but it we reminded about me that, a of weeks that ago, the photo got a, reminded me. Evangeline <laughs> Lily's got a better hairstyle in this one. <laughs> She's like, definitely got a more and not obvious um, wig. <laughs> it's 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 more Janity, I think. It's uh, more Katie. I liked the Bob. Uh, okay, um, another little Marvel tidbit. Um, did you guys see that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was on Stephen Colbert this week, and and he briefly asked her about whether she was in the Avengers? <laughs> I did movies. see that, and she was very cagey about whether she was like armored up in it. Yeah, um, but <laughs> there's a, it was it's a really fun. Like it's only like the last. 30 seconds of this interview and Stephen Colbert says to her do you still have the superpowers from the end of Iron Man 3 because that was really cool and I'm hoping that you're going to get to play a superhero and she's like mm, I, I don't know I like I mean everything's in front of the green screen so I don't even know and he's like Look, tell, me, <laughs> tell me this did you ever stand in front of the green screen with like a blue suit with ping pong balls on it and like <laughs> push your hand out as if you were firing at something and she was like yeah, I did quite a bit of that. And he's like, you've got superpowers then. And so I just thought that was cool. Because, I, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of forgot about that. Even though we watched Iron Man 3 last year, I forgot that the status quo with Pepper is that she should probably still have superpowers. Well, I, that's because she think... has popped up a couple of times since <laughs> without any evidence of it. Well, a couple of times or just once? Uh, just so once. I don't think she's going to have extremists. I think she's going to have the rescue armor. If we're being honest. <sighs> yeah. That will still be so cool. I mean, like, yeah, if yeah, if, 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 yeah. if Pepper is rescued for thirty seconds in that film, then fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. On board. <clears throat> so I just thought we should add that because it's always nice to be excited about Pepper Potts in a movie. Um, <laughs> Seb, I imagine this is probably the news that you, that moved the needle most for you this week. There is going to be a Metropolis TV series, which has got a straight to series <laughs> order. If I move the needle. It, it, it well, well, it moved, it enraged Seb. I can only imagine uh, just from reading this. Uh, Thirteen episodes straight to series on DC's streaming platform, and it is going to be set in Metropolis, 
before Clark Kent arrives in Metropolis, <sighs> and it's going to be Lois Lane and Lex Luthor investigating sciencey stuff in the city. Have I got that? Have I got that all right? Yeah. So, well, I am. I am torn on this. Can because... I just say on the record, like for fuck's sake? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would like to say on the record, I will never watch this show. Just like Krypton. I will never watch this show. <laughs> I mean, when when they announced Krypton, I joked that the next one was going to be an Aquaman prequel called The Sea. Um, <laughs> but I, I just I don't understand what this obsession is with thinking that the places where superheroes live are more interesting before the superheroes turn up. I'm just wondering if you applied this like to other genres, like if they, if, you know. Well, I was going to say if they did a Lord of the Rings, there probably is like Tolkien stuff set <laughs> in that world without any of the interesting characters. The Silmarillion, isn't that what the Silmarillion is? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Silmarillion but, is just stories of Middle Earth being told, <laughs> kind of after. Oh, like oh, I remember when this happened. Yeah, yeah. But it's just so 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 that annoys me that that they keep doing this. Um, but on the other hand, it's not without precedent to do this kind of thing for Superman and Metropolis in, in comics. There, there is a, a fairly major comics precedent, which I'll come to in a minute because I, I talked about this on Twitter, but um, something that this TV show will have in its favour is that it at least won't do this one thing that, that its comics precedent did. Um, but the main thing is that I really like Lex Luthor and Lois Lane. So, I, I mean, you know, that didn't mean that I got into Smallville, but... Um, <laughs> I'm not totally averse to the idea of a show about those characters if it does those characters well. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I just think it's... Because you know what's going to happen as well. Every single major Superman villain will turn up in it at some point and threaten Metropolis without Superman around. Because that's what's happened with Gotham, hasn't it? It's like every Batman villain is in Gotham. And and he's isn't he pretty much Batman now? It's like with Smallville, when he was the blur in Smallville for about three years... <laughs> and he had an S symbol on his chest, but it's just that he was wearing black. And and Gotham, I think, has now got Bruce Wayne running around in a mask as a vigilante. And so I'm sure Clark Kent will probably turn up in Metropolis. But if you if you put all of that stupidness and all the other things that have happened, I and mean, yeah, Krypton, I'm just completely ignoring as a thing generally. The idea of a TV show about the character of 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 Lex Luthor as someone who could sort of maybe be a good guy but also a bad guy which again is kind of what smallville did and lois lane and you know they've got a kind of history and relationship then that i'm not averse to it's just you know knowing about the existence of gotham and smallville and krypton um it's just it's just such an uninteresting running concept here's here's where i am with all tv now like any like any concept, as long as it's as long as it's not like inherently broken from the very start, as long as it's not a concept that you literally can't make a good TV show out of, mm. it, yeah, it, I I will wait and see whether people say it's good or not. But there are so many TV shows now. Like we thought we we thought we were in peak TV, and it just keeps getting more and more. Mm. And it's not just it's not just superhero TV. I mean, what this week they announced a Murphy Brown reboot. Um, yeah. Uh, Magnum PI reboot, like every TV show that ever existed in the eighties or nineties is coming back in some form. Come on, and, Quantum Leap! But like you know, they already made they already made a MacGyver reboot that's a year in at this stage. There's like 
TV, you can just quite easily ignore its existence. And yeah. unless <laughs> unless someone tells you it's good and you mm. go out and watch it, it doesn't matter that it exists. Like, yeah. it's not like... Even I if, you don't feel like you're missing it if you're not yeah, watching it. I mean, yeah. like, even if the Lethal Weapon TV show, which I hear is fine, I will never watch it, but even if the Lethal Weapon TV show had been the worst thing in the world and had completely pissed on the memory of the Lethal Weapons uh, movie series... <laughs> It wouldn't, it, like, it wouldn't matter because yeah. you just don't have to watch it and it doesn't exist. And- yeah, and, so, like, and this is why, like, like, especially given that it's a sci-fi thing, like, Krypton will, might as well, I don't even know where Krypton is in the development process and when it's going to start. It just, it just won't exist to me. And I don't mean mm. that in a, oh, I hate this thing, so I'm pretending it doesn't exist. It's just, it's literally not on my radar. But then, unless, also unless true. someone comes along, Seb, and says, hey, Seb, do you know, actually, like, I think yeah. you'd really like Krypton, and then you might give it a go. But it's kind of the same with the, you know, I've totally lost the thread of whatever might be going on in any of the CW shows at the moment. And I loved the first couple of seasons of The Flash, but though the nature of those shows means that even if you like them, if you drop off them for kind of, you know, circumstances outside and you just end up missing lots of episodes, unless you really have the time to sit down and catch up, and I know some people do, I really don't, then it's just gone, and and the Flash could be brilliant in season four, for all I know. But it's just it's just gone now. It's it's kind of off my radar, and that's a shame because you know how much I've talked about loving that show on here before, and maybe I'll try and just get back onto it somewhere. But if I were to hop back onto it, it would be more like a so I would treat it like a soap opera. I wouldn't go and try and catch up. I'd just jump on again wherever it's up to, and all of those shows feel like that now. They're just there. They're, you know, they're they're rumbling on, and maybe you could dip in and out of them. But you know, for 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 a for a comics fan who generally has a quite completist attitude to things, it's weird to think about them that way. But it's it's weird as well. I mean, this is DC's own streaming platform, and they've got this and the Titans TV show. And at the moment, I can only imagine. I mean, like, I can't definitively speak for all of us, but I can only imagine. That right now, the three of us, if we were given the option to subscribe to this DC streaming platform for X pounds a month, none of us would. Take it out of the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it, and it's the same. I think it's the same now for me. Like, that's not a DC thing. Mm. If, you know, if the, Dis- the, if the Disney streaming stuff. service, if the Disney streaming service says they're taking all the Netflix shows away from Netflix... And I've got to pay for a new Disney streaming uh, service to get access to those shows. I'm, I'm probably not paying for that either. And you know, I like I like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage bits. You know, like, but I'm not. There's there's too much TV out there, and such a small proportion of it is like worth <laughs> investing yeah. that amount of time. Not in. much of it is actually good. Yeah, it's just there. But the yeah. good, the good stuff is good, and there are and there are shows that you know I do watch religiously. And I'm trying to think if there's anything I would actually follow streaming services, and all I can think of is probably Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, so I think I, I think I'm wondering if that's even... actually playing out in the US though. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I think if we if if we were sat here talking about it during season one of Riverdale, you might say you'd follow it. But now we're in season two, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> uh. Hurry up, Sabrina. <laughs> anyway um, but just to yeah just, so just come back to this I, I did just want to talk briefly about as i say that the time that dc have done something like this in the comics and there may be other times as well but the one that jumps to mind for me 
um, was around about the time or slightly after John Byrne had done the Superman relaunch um, in 87, um, he actually did three four-issue miniseries uh, called World of Krypton, World of Smallville, and World of Metropolis, and they were all prequels to um, his Man of Steel miniseries. And World of Metropolis, I mean, some, I think World of Smallville was a bit more of a, a story throughout all four issues, and it was about Jonathan and Martha Kent when they were younger, and Martha Kent's secret marriage, well, not secret, but her previously unknown marriage to a rich guy. Um, but uh, World of Metropolis, actually, the four issues jump through time, and they're four different stories. So the first one is about a young... Uh, Perry White and Lex Luthor and their their history and the fact that Lex Luthor slept with Perry's wife and that actually fed into the comics because Perry's son Jerry was actually fathered by by Lex and not by Perry. Uh, issue two was Lex and Lois and I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, issue three was was Clark arriving in Metropolis before he becomes Superman. Um, and issue four was after he'd become Superman, but it's a kind of origin for his friendship with Jimmy Olsen. Um, but the Lex and Lois one. Uh, it's set during a time when Lex is, you know, powerful businessman in Metropolis. And Lois is like, I think she's like 15 years old. Um, and, you know, is sort of wanting to be an intrepid reporter when she's older kind of thing. And she, I think she ends up investigating like shady dealings at LexCorp. Um, and at the end of the story, after she's been captured and then eventually like thrown out, um, there is a scene where it's explained that, um, that Lex has a videotape of her being strip searched by his security. This is the most it. John Byrne thing ever. It is the most John Byrne. It's not the only time that John Byrne, in, during that era of Superman comics, had a story about porny videos of characters because there's the infamous Big Barder Superman porn story. Although no one involved was 15 years old there. Well, exactly. This is the thing. Lo- Lois is like 15 at the time and, and, so, and Lex has a video of her being strip searched. So at least that's probably not going to happen in this TV series. So, you know, it, it's got that over the comics anyway. <laughs> Right, let's move on to another TV show that um, probably is going to get Seb angry. Uh, that Watchmen series is getting closer. <laughs> Ooh, and closer I bet I'm angry about this one. I think I think I think James is angrier than yeah. me about what I, I've reached a point of <sighs> about Watchmen. I can't even bring myself to get angry about most of it anymore, apart from the Stuart Lee thing. <laughs> so, Watchmen has a director for its pilot. Apparently Damon Lindelof has delivered the script for the pilot. They're expecting to shoot it this year and they've hired Nicole Cassell uh, to direct the pilot. She was a one of the main directors on The Leftovers with uh, Damon Lindelof. So it's going to happen. It's happening for HBO. Um, HBO are obviously losing Game of Thrones next year, although they are working on spin-offs. Uh, but they need some big kind of like showpiece tv to show us and um i i could see watchmen being that um which i mean means that <laughs> the thing is right it's gonna be shit and even if it's not i'm not gonna watch it for moral uh, yeah, I mean, reasons they, i was gonna say that there come there comes a point with this stuff where like it it could be absolutely brilliant but I mean, then again, I mean, you, well, James, James had a bit more of a moral stance against the movie than I did, but I, I, my, my issue is more with, my, my issue is less with them adapting it into other media from a moral point of view. It's more about what they do in the comics. But, you know, my, my view with the stuff with the comics is someone could say, oh, this new Watchmen sequel is the best thing DC have ever published. And that still wouldn't make me want to buy it. Um, 
with a TV show, I just don't want to watch it whether or not it's any good. But it's not for moral reasons. It's for being tired of Watchmen reasons. <laughs> like I was thinking the other day when I was... Uh, I was, I think, I was listening to House to Astonish talking about the the Doomsday Clock stuff, and I suddenly got struck by a thought, and it was, have we now reached a point where we would be better off if Watchmen had never been published? <laughs> and I'm starting to feel that way. <laughs> I feel like Alan Moore's mental health would be better if Watchmen had never been published. <laughs> well, that's certainly true. Um, so the the Result here is only Joe watches the Watchmen. Is that? <laughs> I I just I like. I, just, I also I, think I don't. I don't care. Like I know I should. Mm. I just don't care about all the Alan Moore stuff. Well, I let's. Don't I care. mean, it let's... just feels so far removed at this point. They've already like. The they, thing is, he's watched his hands they... of it. So kind of, yeah. if you if you want to stay engaged, fair enough. Yeah. They've but already like, they've already made the movie. They're already fucking around with the characters in the comics. They're going to make a new TV show, and like I really like the guy who's running this TV show. It's on HBO, where they know how to make good. I I, I, I get that prestige but, TV, so I'm going to watch it. I mean, I, I my, my expectation is 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 more that the problems with this will not necessarily be oh you know they're doing Watchmen they shouldn't do Watchmen even if you put all of that stuff aside. Uh, and and James and I uh, were talking about this with with our friend Abby on on Twitter yesterday or early this week anyway. Yeah, re- recently. Um, the issue is that I don't think that TV knows how to adapt these comics. I think that TV can adapt comics when it has characters and concepts and worlds and can do its own thing with them. But every adaptation of late of an actual story that I love has disappointed me because they've just or they've got the pacing wrong and they've not done the actual stories that I want to see they've gone and done their own and I'm I mean okay American Gods isn't a comic but I'm counting American Gods in this <laughs> and Preacher and Watchmen and I said this on Twitter but my feeling with a Watchmen TV show like this is that we will get all the way through a, the first season and the end of the first season will be the comedian being thrown out of a window <laughs> that's what I was saying <laughs> So I, I, I don't know. In my head, I'm expecting this to be 12 episodes and that's it. If I oh, know, I mean, look, like, if I you're going to do it, if that's how you yeah, do it. If you're going to do it, expect anyone to ever do that. That's the thing. If you're going to do it, like one, one hour, one issue is the way to do it. Mm. But, but what they t- won't, what they'll TV be looking network? at, well, yeah, Sorry, exactly. Yeah. It'll be like <laughs> Preacher where they went, oh, we've got like 10 potential seasons of Preacher here. Let's yeah. do a prequel to the very first issue. The, See, no no I, TV I network is they... ever going to commit to a show that could be a massive success. Yeah, and, and commit in such to finite amounts it after after twelve. What if um, it's got, I, for it's me, got spin-offs I, though? They, then you well, do this you, is the thing. They're going to do you before do all Watchmen. Your nonsense. <laughs> I, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. This is again, and this is not just me making a joke about Preacher and about Preacher being a prequel. It feels to me like a Watchmen TV show would be more inclined to go and spend time on the kind of stories that that before Watchmen did. Which were stories that basically went, hey, you know this world that literally only existed to tell this one very specific <laughs> story? Wouldn't it be really interesting if we went and looked at all the stories that aren't that story? I mean, we've just been talking about TV shows that think that a world is more interesting when the main characters aren't actually in it. And, and here we've got it again. I just, I just, I just think, you know, especially if it's HBO. They are gonna, you know, I'm not ne- not saying that that it won't necessarily be a good show, and I know a lot of people like Preacher, and they think Preacher is a good show. I think American Gods is a good show, but 
my God, American Gods got so such a short way into that book by the end of its first season. I would I would not be um, surprised if the whole Watchmen first season is like the Minutemen as a team doing stuff. Yeah, that's what I mean about it. Just you know, it, it, and and they could pick up stuff from before Watchmen. Um, you know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me to turn around and at some point, and J. Michael Straczynski's name would actually be involved <laughs> in, in this adaptation. Um, yeah, it's just it, if someone said to me. With there is going to be a Watchmen TV show that is going to have the the visual fidelity to the source material that Zack Snyder's film did, but that is interested in actually properly exploring the themes of the book, but as they relate to the medium that it's being translated into, and it will tell. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The story of Watchmen potentially making some changes because you do want to be surprised by things sometimes. And it's going to do it with a structure of 12 hour long episodes and then it's going to be done. Then I would certainly put aside some of my ickiness over Watchmen stuff and go, okay, I'd, I'd be interested to see how that works out. But I don't think that's what this is going to be. I just, I can't imagine. Um, I know he got a bad rap for a while, but I can't imagine that Damon Lindelof is, is going to do this without having, like, he's not going to just churn out plot and do the adventures of the Minutemen. He, he's <coughs> going to want to explore the themes and the characters because that's what Damon Lindelof does. And I, I think you know he's 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 now had his big critical success with the leftovers. Can I just check uh, which Star Trek film he wrote? Uh, the first one, I think. He might he might have been involved in Into Darkness as well. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm pretty pretty sure. I he's think involved I in think the first he one. wrote Into Darkness as well. He 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 did he did write Into Darkness. Yeah yeah yeah. He's I mean he's had pro- he's he's. He's done some stuff that hasn't been great, but I also think he has he has produced some really, really great, really, really great television and movies. Um, and which is it? Yeah. Sorry, is it Tomorrowland or Cowboys and Aliens that you love? <laughs> <laughs> just, just interested. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, but, but again, he, you know, part part of my skepticism my skepticism about stuff like this is that um, you know. Uh, 
American Gods had Brian Fuller. Um, a great showrunner when it comes to an adaptation doesn't necessarily mean that it's... <laughs> Brian yeah, Fuller I think, doesn't I think stay around da- long enough to do Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Damon Lindelof will probably at least see this out. <laughs> <laughs> he even even finished off his uh, comic book, didn't he, years later? Yeah, yeah. That was good, actually. That was... I, I, I like that comic. <laughs> I think yeah. I recommended it on here before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, unlike J. Michael Straczynski, he, he does actually stick around to finish his comics. Yeah, I mean, singular. my my position with Watchmen adaptation just remain, remains like anyone smart enough and good enough to do it would be uninterested in doing it. Yeah, it's 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 the uh, it's the, the the job of the galactic president, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Anyone who wants the job <laughs> should, under no circumstances, be allowed to do it. <laughs> okay, um, let's move on now. Uh, we can probably uh, blast through most of these. I just wanted wanted to get your quick thoughts on them. Uh, Hans Zimmer has been announced as the composer for X Men: Dark Phoenix. Apparently, he'd retired from superhero movies or something, but now he's not. Like, well, I look, for, I look forward to a trailer that goes. <laughs> you got in before me. Uh, I do so, like Hans Zimmer, but you know. <laughs> but no, no one on this podcast is particularly excited for X Men: Dark Phoenix. <sighs> no, no. Um, and then uh, a, a last little bit of TV news. Uh, we almost mentioned this in last week's podcast, uh, but decided to save it for this one. Uh, Joanne, Joanne Whaley, is it Wally or Whaley? Joanne Whaley has been cast as Daredevil's mum on Daredevil season three. Um, I think the way the Defenders ended, we all kind of knew that that, that some, someone was going to be cast in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are we excited to see that side <laughs> of things explored in Daredevil? Does this mean that they are going to maybe do some kind of born again thing? I'm fully expecting some kind of born again adaptation. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of as much as close as the Netflix shows get to direct adaptation. Yeah, quite. Which is not which is not very close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see that aspect of Matt's like family life looked at as well. I mean, also it's quite unusual to have a superhero with mummy issues instead of daddy issues. So, if yeah. nothing else, it will be interesting to have a change of pace. Uh, cause he, and he's had some daddy issues, hasn't he? Like, his actual daddy in the first series, and then Stick always <laughs> fucking coming in and out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Be, be nice for his, be nice for his mum to show up. Um, okay, so that's, that's the, uh, comic book movie and TV news, but, oh, new segment alert. We were at Comics Corner. Comics News Corner. We've got some, we, you know, we're on the mini side now. We've got, we've got a bit of time to play with. Guys, there's some comics news that you're going to tell me about. Yeah, so big bit of comics news um, going on. Uh, literally, just as we record this, it's literally only a few hours ago um, that this has been fully announced. So it was announced about a week or so ago. So, we did, well, to, to bring it up to speed, uh, obviously we discussed on our uh, when James and I did a comics news special. Uh, the big news um, before just before the end of the year was that uh, Brian Michael Bendis was going to DC. Uh, this speculate this prompted lots of speculation about what he would actually do, and a lot of people noticing that Action Comics issue a thousand was coming up in in the first quarter of 2018, and would he maybe make his DC debut there? It was confirmed a couple of weeks ago that he is. Uh, he's actually amid a massive list of of creators, kind of past and present, who are going to be working on that issue. Um, it, it, that issue is going to be humongous. I, it's going to sell a million copies without doing it by being in a loot crate. 
Um, (laughs) It's going to be enormous, Um, especially if they do lots of nice variants. I I will probably buy several copies if they do lots of nice variants. I I am very excited about (laughs) it. You're what's killing the comics industry. (laughs) Uh, But uh, what has been officially announced today is that Brian Michael Bendis' first proper full-on ongoing gig is indeed Superman. And it's not just that he's taking over one of the Superman titles, he is taking over Superman in its entirety. So, so two books. <laughs> well, two books, but two books that come out weekly. Uh, sorry, that come out fortnightly. So unless they change the schedule, uh, yeah, but well, basically, so, so what's going to happen is Action Comics issue 1000 will come out. There's then going to be uh, something called DC Nation Zero, which I think will be kind of like the Rebirth special. It's going to be DC doing another one of these. Uh, they they like to do these kind of zero issue type things every so often. I remember when they did like Countdown to Infinite Crisis and stuff. Usually a bit of an anthology kind of thing, you know, setting the stall out for various characters over the next year or so. Obviously, not dissimilar to if anybody read Marvel Legacy and, and didn't fall asleep, <laughs> then it's kind of similar to, to what that did. Um, but yeah, so so then after that, first thing Bendis is going to do is a six issue miniseries called Man of Steel. This sounds familiar. Uh, retelling Superman's origin, which I know is going to make everyone go, oh, Superman's origin again. Actually, it's been quite a while since they did Superman's origin because when they did the new 52... um, (laughs) They they fucked it up good and proper. Well, they didn't really do the origin um, because Superman just launched straight up in the present day. Action Comics was set... The Grant Morrison Action Comics was set five years previously... Um, with his early days in Metropolis, but it didn't really do the origin in full. Um, I think the last time DC had done the origin was Superman Secret Origin by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, which I think was in 2008. Uh, it might even have been later than that because I, I, I remember what was, what was funny about it was it didn't, okay, so around 2009 to 2010. So it was only like five years after Birthright, and it was a it was a big retcon of the origin. It changed quite a lot of stuff from Birthright. Birthright was basically written out of continuity five years after it was published. But what's weird is Jeff Johns was really important at DC at this point. In 2010, Jeff Johns was still writing a Superman origin story, and then in 2011, DC completely rebooted the continuity. That's the thing that's always made me think that the New 52 was a very hurried decision. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so the point is there hasn't been a proper Superman origin story since then. So I don't, you know, given that we've had a continuity reset, I don't mind the idea of Bendis putting a new spin on it. So that's what he's going to do. And then after that, he's going to take over Action Comics and Superman. Superman will be renumbered from issue one. Again, Action Comics will continue from issue 1001. We don't know if they're going to change it so that both titles now come out monthly. So we'll have fortnightly Bendis Superman, or if they will still come out fortnightly. And so we will have weekly Bendis Superman. Um, he's got, there's some good artists lined up for it. I know, I, th- I believe that Patrick Gleason, who's drawing and sometimes and co-writing Superman at the moment, I think he's staying on as one of the artists. They've got various other people lined up. Bendis has promised quite big changes, like earth shattering, you know, changes to the status quo. <laughs> they're getting rid um, of the super baby. <laughs> well, he's also said that they're not chucking out stuff that's there at the <laughs> moment, which implies that they're not getting rid of him being married to Lois and, and having a son, but I am slightly. They're having a son is going to go live on a farm. <laughs> Oh, no, the Somewhere far ended. away. That end, that ended quite quickly. Um, <laughs> they are they are still in Metropolis now. Um, but yeah, so it's it's exciting. It's you know it's 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 I I would say it's the first. I would say it's probably the biggest arrival of a, a big name creator onto one of DC's major characters, probably since Grant Morrison took over Batman. 
Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see where it goes, whether it has an effect on the rest of the line, if there's kind of major changes to, to the approach of things, or if everything else is kind of business as usual. Um, but the other major thing that actually, when they announced Action Comics 1000, people kind of looked past the, the big news about all the creators that were on it. Um, and instead concentrated on the fact that Superman is getting his red trunks back, <laughs> which we're all very excited about. I mean, can I, a- can I just play like slightly devil's advocate here and just say like, does anyone really care what happens to Superman? Yes, I do. Like this, <laughs> I know you do because you're a Superman fan, but I kind of, nothing that's been announced makes me go, oh, that sounds like it'll be interesting. Like, I'm the sort of person who would read Superman under the right circumstances. But the right circumstances have never actually occurred beyond Grant Morrison giving it a go, and that didn't really take. So you so you don't think that someone like Bendis coming on, given some of the stuff that Bendis has done with reinventing some of the stuff characters that, in the past... <laughs> given the stuff that Bendis has done in the last ten years... Okay, but what? But given that this is Bendis coming to a new company completely fresh, does this not feel to you more like the Bend potentially the Bendis of Daredevil and Ultimate Spider-Man? Because that's what obviously what I'm hoping for. <laughs> I'm also hoping that the Bendis of Alias writes Lois Lane. I just it to me it feels more like here's the latest Superman reboot. They're going to do the same thing they do every time they reboot <laughs> Superman, which is give him a new costume and retell the origin. And it's like, how many times has that happened since I've been reading comics? Like five, maybe. Could you not say that about like everyone in comics, though? Well, how many times? Okay, how many times has Marvel gone? Okay, we're going to get someone to retell the Spider-Man origin story from scratch. Yeah, but that was because the last time they did, it was John Byrne, and it was dreadful. well. No, the last time Usually they when did, they do... <laughs> the last time they did was Bendis doing Ultimate Spider-Man, which yeah. was almost twenty years ago. So my my question with all of this is. Is Superman the character that Bendis feels most suited to, or would it have been better? Like, I get that he's probably outside of Batman, which is already, you know, has probably got got its creative team locked. You know, is there anywhere else that you would you think Bendis would have done a better job, or does he actually feel like a good a good match for Superman? I think a lot of people wanted to see Bendis on Batman. Um, I would have been more interested in Bendis on Batman, certainly. But that's mostly because his his Daredevil was basically like Marvel's Batman for that period of time. Yeah, I, so, so someone, I think it was Colin Bell made the joke about, you know, um, if Bendis does, does Batman, you know, the first thing that will happen is Bruce Wayne will be outed. And I was like, <laughs> well, obviously Bendis wouldn't do that because that would just be ripping off his own story. But actually, I would love to see a storyline where Bruce Wayne was actually publicly out as Batman because that's never happened before, <laughs> and I would be interested to see that. Um, but it would just be a rip off of that same Daredevil story. So I mean, that story's <laughs> been done once, <laughs> you know. Um, I I think people wondered if Bendis was going to start with something <coughs> smaller. Um, you know, there there are definitely kind of mid to lower tier characters that you could see someone like him coming in on and and being able to do something a bit more interesting with. Um, he's, you know, he's talked in this press release about having strong feelings about Superman, um, you know, and sort of feeling like a connection with the character because, um, like, I think, did it, did he actually mention like being from Cleveland? I thought, I thought he was a New Yorker. Um, <coughs> no, he, he is did. actually from Cleveland. Like, yeah, so he, yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. Jewish guy from Cleveland. So 
he does feel that connection to. I mean, uh, the Siegel only the only thing um, about what Bendis has said that makes me go, oh, that there could be an angle there is when he talked about maybe playing up the like Jewish immigrant mm. uh, angle on Superman, which is something that gets like super ignored. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at the end of the day, like I, uh, this is a massive name writer who, okay, in the last few years hasn't always been as good as he's capable of. <laughs> but has been capable of writing some absolutely fantastic superhero comics coming in at a time when action comics is hitting the the largest issue number that you know you could conceive of a superhero title hitting uh working with great artists giving the character a revamp a character who I love and who I think you know I've enjoyed the the run so far since rebirth I think but it's by the time this comes out uh the Tomasi run will have been going for a good couple of years so Maybe about time to shake it up a bit, and you know, maybe shake it up a bit more than it has been. Um, yeah, I, I don't see any any reason not to be, you know, even if you're not excited about this. <laughs> I would I think it's. I just, you know, I would be a lot more interested if he'd done anything that was actually good in a long time. Like I can't, I can't think of anything before maybe the sort of opening arc or two of Mars Morales Spider Man. Which even Jessica then, Jones is still good. It's all right. It's not Jessica Jones good though, is it? That's the mm. problem. It's not Alias good. Yeah. I mean, the oh, other okay. uh, well, I, the I, other I, interesting I think, thing I, is that he's also bringing all of his creator-owned books to uh, DC. Like yeah, literally so it'll be every DC who don't publish. <laughs> yeah, every creator-owned book he's ever done is being republished through DC. Mm. Um. He's making noises about actually carrying on things like um, uh, United States of Murder, Inc. and probably more Powers, but who knows where Powers is up to. Apparently, maybe even Scarlet. I was going to say Scarlet was part of that announcement, which yeah. is interesting. But he's also, separate <laughs> separate from that again, he's curating a, a new imprint about which they've revealed nothing. <laughs> uh, but he said it's not unlike what Jared Way is doing with Young Animal. So I don't think... He, well, he says he'll be writing some of them and curating. So he's basically getting his own Young Animal. Um, and that's, that's old, gone quite well. Old so animal. Far for DC. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, it's, I, I, I'm liking seeing big news like this and, and it, you know, pieces slotting into place kind of thing. Um, and, you know, bringing it back around to this, but I am pleased about the red pants and I do think there is a, if you look at the fact <laughs> that it's easy to think that Man of Steel was where, he lost them, but actually the new 52 had ditched them a couple of years before Man of Steel came out. If this is where they're pushing Superman back towards and trying to go for like a classic look, would not be surprised to see the trunks back um, next time we see Henry Cavill's Superman. I just feel sorry for all the licenses who've been told, oh no, this is a permanent change, put this Superman on all your stuff from now on. <laughs> yeah, I still see those, um, uh, what are they called? The uh, Schle- what's, what's that brand of, uh, is it Schleich? the brand of um, toys uh, that where they do all the animals and various things. And there's a DC range, and I still see New 52-style Superman figures in <laughs> home bargains all the time. Right. Okay. We've, we've, we've got... We've Joe's got our... thoroughly baffled by all that. <laughs> well, I, 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 again, I'll probably read it if one of you guys tells me to. <laughs> I mean, look, I, well, look, you know, if you, if you want a jumping on point for Superman, there is going to be no better jumping on point for Superman comics than Action Comics 1000. <laughs> than his 1000th issue. 
Sorry, I thought you were going to say the pilot for Lois and Clark. Uh, <laughs> no, he's barely in that as Superman. And, and, and the S is too small on his costume. You're going to jump on Lois and Clark, you jump on with episode two. <laughs> okay, um, let's move on to our final section now, which is the pitch. And if you were listening to the um, main episode last week, you will know that I asked um, James and our guest Mike, uh, who is not pitching, it's Seb, um, about... Uh, no. I asked them, given that Gary Oldman has been giving interviews saying that his kids desperately want him to get a role in the MCU, who should he be cast as in the MCU? I said there was one person that you couldn't say, and that was J. Jonah Jameson, um, <laughs> because we're not we're not just doing like a role switch with J.K. Simmons. Um, Seb, do you want to go first or second? I want to go first in case James, who hasn't thought this through yet, has now thought of the one that I think is really <laughs> obvious. So I want. I to mean, say it first. I've thought of who I think is obvious, but I don't know. Actually, there are two people I think you might choose. Okay, I'll say it, and then you can say if you guessed it or not. <laughs> uh, Norman Osborn. That was that was my first choice, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's perfect for Norman Osborn, because there are the two sides to Norman Osborn. There is the successful, public, charming businessman, and there is the psychotic Green Goblin. And Gary Oldman is very good at switching between being very likeable and very psychotic. I'm not sure I've seen him do it in the same film, uh, but... <laughs> If you get him to bring what he's like in the Fifth Element, to <laughs> I was going to say, if, Goblin, he, if he can go from Dark Knight to Fifth Element <laughs> in one exactly. scene, exactly. Um, and but what I particularly like about the idea of Norman Osborn as a villain in the MCU is, as the Green Goblin, you make him a foe for Spider-Man, and as Norman Osborn, you make him a foe for Tony Stark and the Avengers, um, and that enables you to carry on the link that you've had between Stark and Peter Parker. So. You know, I, I really would like to see them do an angle like that with Osborne in the MCU anyway. And I genuinely can't think of anyone better than Gary Oldman, with the possible exception of just bringing back Willem Dafoe, um, to, to play Norman Osborne like that. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think, is, is the closest we've got to him, like, doing those two extremes in a movie, Leon, maybe? That, cause he, he kind of plays the cop, but also plays the kind of nutcase. Baddie yeah. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's quite close. Or what about yeah. Lost in Space, where he literally <laughs> turns into a spider? <laughs> I mean, I do, I do have another choice, <coughs> which is I'm, like I was, I'm excited. I was thinking, I mean, it was hard for me, like having just watched The Dark Knight, it's hard for me to get away from the Gary Oldman with a giant mustache. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking, who, like, who in the Marvel universe has an impressive mustache like that? I was thinking, Red Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> could be Red Hulk. No, I'm going for. Oh, Sorry, can we just give a bit more appreciation for my comics joke there? <laughs> that was I'm a never good joke. Even, I've never even it. never even read any Red Hulk. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have made that joke three years ago, Joe. I'm very proud. Absolutely of you. not. I know everything about comics. As now, a reward, as you should go and read some Red Hulk, and then come back and report your findings. <laughs> um, no, my choice is Miles Trainer, aka the the Miles Trainer. Is that right? Uh, do you mean Seward Train? No, I mean Miles Warren. That's it. You mean Miles Warren? My okay. choice is you Miles Warren. Clone sagas. It's because Seward Trainer was my third choice. Uh. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my choice is Miles Warren, aka the Jackal, uh, for similar reasons. Which is that the first can... picture that shows up of him on Google does look very Gary Oldman. There you go. Which is that you can 
do the same sort of thing where he gets to play a normal kind of grumpy scientist and then a crazy jackal as well. Um, so, and also, it would be a Spider-Man villain who hasn't been done, and you get to do the Clone Saga, which I know Seb wants to see on screen. Do you know, well, do you know what, uh, though? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Right, there's two <laughs> things wrong with this. Right. First of all, after I have suggested that Gary Oldman should play a Spider-Man villain who is psychotic in a green costume, <laughs> who then secretly turns out to be someone related to Peter Parker in his private life, you have suggested that Gary Oldman should play a rip-off Spider-Man villain who's psychotic in a green costume who turns out to be someone important to Peter Parker in his private life. Yeah, but mine's a better choice because we've never seen it. Secondly, I would like to see the Clone Saga. You would like to see the Clone Saga. (laughs) And Joe would like to see the Clone Saga. The pitch is all about what's going to do well commercially and nobody else in the world wants to see the Clone Saga. Are you kidding me? No No one cares about Norman Osborn again. Even the Andrew Garfield movies went, oh, let's skip that guy. (laughs) <laughs> well, they no, they didn't. Well, <laughs> they yeah, just... he was there, but he wasn't. They went, Green let's, let's cast a really good actor to play him and just have him sit in a bed for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I I can't help but feel that James, essentially, what you've just pitched is Seb's answer, but a less sexy version. <sighs> we could gender swap him if that helps. What? <laughs> um, I, I, so Gary in, Oldman in... can play a female version of the Jackal. <laughs> yeah, I think that definitely does not help. Um, there's there was no one really immediately springing to mind, for, so I, I I I didn't have anyone really that I was thinking. Yeah, that that <sighs> stands with, out. And I think gone with Sewer Trainer, shouldn't I? <laughs> no, because then you would have had to explain who Sewer Trainer <laughs> was, and I don't think we've got all night. I'd say what, I've only got one. I just just from I'm just like scrolling around looking on looking on websites at marvel villains the only other one that i can think of that i think would be quite cool is mephisto but it's not as good as answer as uh, an answer as seb's so as much as it loathes me to kill the uh the recurring bit of uh, making seb lose all the podcasts and angering him all the pitches and angering him in the process uh i'm gonna have to award the win i mean i'm I'm slightly angry because that was going to be my choice well, you snooze, you lose. You, did, you didn't have a choice when we first dialed up. <laughs> yeah, and the so. fact that we both came up with the same one, even though I hadn't thought about it for a week, <laughs> is evidence of yeah, just how I, piss weak your answer was. But I thought of it a week ago when I listened to the podcast, which I bet you haven't even done, because I listen back to the podcast. <laughs> well, I have to when I'm not on them and I've got to do the pitch, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Joe told me he doesn't listen to podcasts either. Well, I li- I have to listen to them when I edit them. I mean, I listen, I, I, I listen I to, to them listen when we record them, them. When I edit the bits that you forget to edit. <laughs> <laughs> listen, when you have to edit out that many coughs from James in an episode. Hey, I almost died. <laughs> yeah, but you're still here, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Losing the pitch. Um... Okay, uh, that is it for this week's show. Um, don't forget that the next episode is on Black Panther. Now, Black Panther is kind of like a, it's a little bit more than a week away. Um, we will aim to release it as close to its release date as possible. So it comes out on the 13th of Feb. So we'll hopefully have something for you that week. Um, if the gap is really long and we, uh, and we haven't been to for a while, we'll probably drop in another mini-sode. Or a bonus episode or something like that, just just to try and 
bridge the gap a little bit, but um, we're really excited for Black Panther. We've got a guest joining us. Uh, Amon is going to be back for Black Panther. Um, I don't know anyone in the world who is more excited <laughs> for that movie than Amon I've, is. I, I've, I've very much enjoyed watching Amon's reactions to the critical reactions it's been getting so far. Yeah. It's been joyous. We are going to give him a mild sedative before he joins us on the episode, <laughs> just <laughs> just so the sound levels don't get blown out. Um, Amon is also very excited about the prospect of having a week to prepare his pitch. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm also yeah really looking forward to whatever Amon ends up pitching again. <laughs> yeah. I'll just ask, I'll just ask you all to do Black Panther 2. Oh, written already. <laughs> so yeah, so that's, that's our next main episode. There might be something before, but yeah, we'll try and get our episode out as close to the release of Black panther as possible um if you're enjoying the show then please do subscribe on itunes spotify or your podcast app of choice and you can support us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe can i can i can i can i do a plug oh absolutely because i can't remember if i plugged my other podcast yet i might have done but it's changed its name so i'm going to plug it again (laughs) if i haven't uh i'm doing a chronological episode by episode run through the u.s office it used to be called the people person's paper people but then there was another podcast with a very similar name that launched like the same week so it's now called mifflin infinity and you can find it at mifflinfinity.podbean.com uh and i'm two episodes into well i'm about to release uh the second episode of season two i probably will have done so by the time this one comes out so Check that out if you like the American Office. It's just me talking about each episode for half an hour at a time. So you are you are the scrotal recall of podcasts, and that you change your name halfway through the run because the first one, as much as much as you were attached to it, just wasn't working for commercial reasons. <laughs> yes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Niche little Netflix joke there. Um, you can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. You can get in touch via Facebook on Twitter at cine underscore verse, or you can send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.